you are now listening to Grinding True Crime with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them and that he was also a necrophiliac. Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with Todd Fox. And and we are here live kicking off another episode. And today, the narrator will be myself. Uh, I'll be uh, dropping a story for you guys today. But before we get into all that, let, what are you doing? Let's, <laughs> let's let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Just type in Grinding True Crimes, and there you can follow our page, like our page, and leave us a message, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. If you want to listen to us on your podcast stream, you can go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and Pandora. And for those listening to us outside of the U.S., you can continue to listen to us on Podchaser, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Go to redbubble.com, type in Todd Fox 80, and there you can buy merchandise courtesy of Grinding to Crime. And if you like what you hear and you want to support what we do, you can uh, leave a Cash App donation. Just go to Cash App, type in dollar sign Grinding True Crimes. Or if you follow us on Podbean, you can leave us pod points. Uh, there you can uh, leave pod points in support of what we do uh, to show that you like what we do. Um, is there anything else, Todd? I think that's. It. I think that's it. one more thing. Uh, July is approaching. End of July is approaching, so that means we will be going live. Just to let you guys know, at the end of each month, we do go live. So just a reminder to let you guys know when we our next live will be. July thirty first. That will be July thirty first. Is it July thirty first? Yeah. So that's Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's the last Sunday. Okay. So yeah, July thirty first. Yeah, that'll okay. do. That'll do. Okay, so with that being said, I'm going to break down the case of Dorothy Jane Scott. Have any of you guys heard of Dorothy Jane Scott? No. No? No? Neither have I until I stumbled across her case earlier this morning. It was, it was something, it was an interesting case. I actually had a, another case, which I'm going to save next week. Uh, it, the next week's case is going to be a really good one, but this one right here, I wanted to do this one today because uh, this one was very interesting. Okay. So, uh, so let's jump into it. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, Dorothy Jane Scott. Dorothy Dorothy Jane Scott. She was born on April twenty third, nineteen forty eight, in Anaheim, California, to Jacob and Verna Scott. Disneyland. Disneyland. Uh oh. Yeah. Um, so not much was said about Dorothy growing up. She, she lived a normal life with her parents. She was a churchgoer. Um, most people who knew her described her 
as a methodical, introverted, responsible person. Um, some people even uh, said that she was just flat out boring. Wow. <laughs> Someone who just wanted to do what she has to do and stay at home. So she 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 was just, uh, you know, just one of them people that just, hey. A homebody? A homebody. Yeah. So, so not much was really said about her early childhood. She apparently had a pretty decent childhood. That's uh, not common in our cases, huh? Not common. Not common at all. And this case is not a common case. I will say that. That's a twist. The first twist. First twist. Um, in fact, growing up in the 60s where it was free love, drugs, and alcohol, you know that era, Todd and Gabby? The hippie era. She didn't partake in none of that. She didn't drink. She didn't do drugs. She was just, mind my business, leave me alone. She didn't do any of that stuff. In fact, she she didn't do that stuff even until her adult life. Wow, okay. Yeah. I wonder if she was depressed. Mm, it didn't say, but she just was very uh, introverted. So we're going to move forward a little bit, and we're going to move to the year 1976. Now Dorothy is 28 years old, and she gives birth to her first son and her only son, Sean Scott. Well, his name might not be Scott. It might be the father's name. He didn't mention, but his name is Sean. She would raise him all by herself because guess what happened to the father? Got arrested? Is that your answer? He died. Nope. He moved all the way to Missouri, some 2,000 miles away from where they live, and he never seen his son. Oh, that's He just abandoned them. He was gone. He was out their life. So she was a single mother raising her young son all by herself. Well, not really by herself. She had family, but you know what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. So Dorothy would then move to Staten, California to live with her aunt. And uh, Staten is about 20 minutes from where she lived and where her parents lived in uh, Anaheim, California. It's like 15 minutes from where I live. Really? Yeah, Staten's not far at all. Nice I area? Even hear, I've never heard of Staten. You never heard of Staten? Really? Staten's eye. It's like a cross between. Die. It's yeah. It's a cross between Anaheim and and Santa Ana. Wait a minute, Todd. You didn't use your voice. You gotta say it's I. It's I. Hi. Yeah, it ain't Anaheim. I'll tell you that much. That's for sure. Yeah. Now she, in order to support herself and the kid, her her son, Dorothy worked as a secretary for two jobs that were jointly owned stores one of which her father co-owned himself. Mm, okay. Uh, so they got family business. Somewhat. I guess you could say. I guess you could say that. And one of the stores, if you can guess if you can guess the name of this store, you guys, I, I, I'll give you a dollar. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you a dollar if you can guess the name of the that, store. That's not much well, incentive, but okay. <laughs> that ain't worth it. Well, just give it. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I'll give you a million pesos. <laughs> Still not worth it, man. Still not worth it. <laughs> Take a guess. A Dollar Tree? No. Okay. Thrifty. No. The name of the store was called Swinger Psych. Who's going to get that? <laughs> hey, that's fine. If you can get that, you get a dollar. That's the, no, that's not worth a dollar. That's Remember, it was owned stores. They were owned business. 
<laughs> wait, wait, so is it actually living up to the name? Um, it's pretty much. Ooh. What? Yeah, they sold. Wow. They sold love beads, incense, lava lamps. You name it. Love beads. You know what love beads are? If you guys don't know what love beads are, look it up. Yeah, I know what love beads are, but there's a different meaning of love beads nowadays. Yeah, man. <laughs> what is it? Y'all know what love beads are? No. Look it up. <laughs> well, you have to tell me later. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, see, l- l- let me. I'll just break it down for Gabby right now, so she doesn't have Go to wonder it. the whole episode. The love, the love beads were used to wear around. Wait, your wait, wait, neck. wait, wait, Todd. You gotta use your hillbilly voice. Oh, they were used to go around your neck and blow in the wind and everything. Jump around as you play your tambourine with the 1970s music. You know all that kid music and stuff. Now kids like to put them love beads up their hoo ha or up their backside. Are they thunder beads? And then you pull them out slowly. <laughs> And then you get some oh. sort of satisfaction. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to mention, listener's discretion is about. <laughs> so happy pearls, huh? Yeah, so that's, that's, if you want to call them happy pearls, <laughs> incense, you know, like I said, lava lamps, all that good stuff. This is the 60s. Mm. That's interesting. So, He's and the other story. Yeah. Thank you, Johnson. There you go. Thank you, Johnson. <laughs> no, wait. Yeah, Johnson. Thank you, Johnson. <laughs> the other store she worked at was a head shop, which is basically a retail store that sold cannabis and tobacco and all that other good stuff. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Progressive woman. Yeah. Okay. Very, very interesting woman. From someone that's very introvert, hey, that's probably why she wanted to be introverted. Leave me alone. Let me smoke this weed and get back to this love beats. She says she didn't do any of that. You're right. <laughs> let me sell this weed and let get, get sell these love beats. Let me not partake. <laughs> That's how progressive I am. She's paying attention. She got me. Oh man! So far, everything was good for uh, Dorothy. You know, she had a family. She she loved her family. Her family was very close knit. Um, every day, she would drop off her son to her parents so that they can watch him since they lived so close to where she worked at. So she didn't have to worry about paying for a babysitter. She didn't have to worry about you know asking her friends to watch John. The parents took care of Sean during the day while she worked, and she was she was living good. She had a good life. Okay. Um, her family was, like I said, was very close to each other. She was well liked in the neighborhood, and as well as her coworkers liked her very much because she she stayed to herself. She wasn't a, a very, you know, hard she to get. A, look for trouble. She didn't look for trouble. She just stayed in her lane. She was well respected. People liked her. Mm-hmm. So she was doing good for herself for for about a few years. For, for a few years. This was 1976. 76. Um, that all ended in the year 1980. Uh-oh. Yeah. That will be the year I was born. <laughs> that would be the year you were born, Top Fox. Yep. You're only six years older than me? <laughs> if you want to say it that way. I guess. <laughs> I'm 86. Yeah, no. Not yeah. age. Oh, no, <laughs> you look good for 86. Not I'm going to say, what happened to you? Dang, she tricked Matty Um, So this is the year 1980, and that's when things took a turn for the worse. I mentioned earlier that she was 
well liked, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, someone took that too far. Someone liked her too much. Uh oh. Stalker case. Mm, you got it. While she was at work uh, with her coworkers, Dorothy would get strange phone calls from an unidentified man. Creepy. Yeah. Now Dorothy wasn't dating anyone at this time. Um, she would go on a few dates here and there, but nothing serious. In fact, her dad said the same thing. Uh, she wasn't. Uh, she would go on a few dates. Nothing. Uh, nothing out of the ordinary. But she didn't have a boyfriend or anything like that at the time. Mm-hmm. So nobody knew who this mystery man was. Uh, she would get phone calls every day, and alternatively, the phone calls will go from someone professing their love for her to someone threatening to kill her. Oh. One phone. One phone call stated, "When I get my hands on you alone, I will cut you up." And into bits so no one can find you. Whoa. That's a little aggressive. Yeah. He warned that he was watching her at all times. Hmm. What would you guys do in this situation, honestly? Because I this you know what this reminded me when uh that movie when a stranger calls. Yeah. And it feels like this was based off of that movie. But so but what would you guys do if you guys had a stalker calling you guys? Mm. I, I would go to the police first of all file a report i'd get any kind of uh well it's 1980 so you can't get any kind of cameras mm-hmm. but uh but i would i would get a male friend even if i had to do a little something something to keep the male friend around <laughs> have him as protection any way you can <laughs> i'm just saying use your womanly instincts quote unquote what you trying to say Todd? i'm just saying that works i mean <laughs> I mean, look, if a woman came up to me and was like, look, I'll, I'll give you a little something somewhere. We can have some hanky-panky, but you got to stay over and, you know, protect me from so-and-so. I'll be like, yeah, all right. All right. <laughs> but then after it's done, it's like, why did I do this again? What if it <laughs> Then I'm scared. <laughs> We're both scared. We're both scared. What about you, Gabby? Since you're, it's you know. different for men and women. I That's think. what I was about to say, Todd. It's, it's different for men and women. <laughs> Todd there was at first putting himself in the woman's part. Yeah, I I don't know. Like for a man, I think if he's being stalked by a woman, he's not really afraid unless she's like super cycled, trying to shoot him or something. Mm -hmm. But for a woman, it can be scary from the beginning, even if he's just saying things or he just won't stop looking at you. It's already uncomfortable. So I think for a woman, you definitely got to get some type of protection, a weapon. Have weapons all over your house. Be prepared where you work, in your car, and just always watch yourself wherever you go. Be very alert. Obviously, the police report and all that stuff, but a lot of times, let's face it, all that doesn't work. Yeah, so you take it very seriously. Yes. Yeah. I don't know, like what, like Todd said, you know, or like you said, Gabby, it's different from men and women. If I had a stalker call me, I'll probably laugh about it. Like, yeah, whatever, you know. And then knowing it, you, you probably would. Yeah, I'll just all right. I'll probably go along with the joke. Oh, for real? What am I wearing? Oh, okay, cool. You know. And then if it continues, then I'll be like, okay, this is getting annoying. Then you know, probably might call the police or have some protection of myself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, this forced as as uh, this 
unidentified man keeps calling and calling and professing his love and threatening to kill her and all this stuff, it forced Dorothy and her family to go to the police in which they installed a voice recorder in the house. Okay. Remember, this is the 80s. So A voice recorder? Yeah. So, so like they can, on the phone? Like from the phone, yeah. Oh. Yeah. However, they still had no idea who this man was. Still no clue. One particular evening, she received a phone call, and what happens next really terrified her. What do you think happened? Mm, he probably tells her something intimate about her house or the surroundings or something like that, like to freak her out. Okay. I'm going to say he's on the window. You're both kind of right. So I'm going to say that. You're both kind of right. Um, She received the phone call and he told her, look outside. I left a gift for you. Ooh. When she looked outside, she saw a single dead rose on the windshield of her car. A symbol that not only does he know where she lives, not only that he know, she he knows how to get to her, it also symbolized that he's serious about his threats. Jeez. That's scary. Yeah. So fearful of her life, she considers buying a handgun for her protection. And rightfully he, so. Yeah. However, she didn't. But she did, like Gabby said, you know, uh, taking some kind of uh, practice of uh, self-defense. She took up karate lessons. I don't know. Now, okay, when I read this, I said to myself, okay, that's good. That's actually good. You, you're learning to take karate lessons. That's something. But I felt like that wasn't enough, me personally. What do you guys think? I think that's the product of the 80s, to be honest with you. Um, because of all those damn like movies like Karate Kid and stuff. Um, <sighs> karate's not going to do nothing. Come on. I mean, <laughs> like, again, I mean, I don't, I don't see people. I don't see world star fights where guys are winning because of because of uh, karate kicks. You know, it's either guns or they're beating people with, with weapons or they're actually punching. It's like, <laughs> stop it, man. Karate <laughs> waste of money, dude. Come on. I think it's a start in the right direction so she can at least know a little bit of self-defense but if the guy got a weapon and he's close enough to you I'm not sure that she'll be able to put her karate into practice by the time he grabs her that's what I'm saying um, I, I like the effort you know karate can teach you self-defense like Gabby said it depends on you know the situation if, if you got a chance to use those moves then sure but if he catches you or he has a gun, that's not going to do anything. Um, I, I'm I'm for her handing, uh, having a handgun. I'm for her having a bat wherever she walks. Anything. Pepper spray. Something. But for me, I'm not critiquing her. I'm not saying she did anything wrong. I just felt like karate wasn't the way to go. Mm-hmm. That was that's just my opinion. Like I said, I'm not critiquing her. I'm not making fun. I'm not saying anything negative. I just thought, like, man, you know, you should have got that handgun. You know, yeah. That, that was my thought. 
Well, it's like so. that they say, I mean, she doesn't know what this guy's capable of, but it's you don't bring a knife to a gun party. So you don't bring karate to a gun party. <laughs> it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we have a date. Well, and when we have a date, what does that mean? Someone, someone gets died. Or something, someone... something happens. Mm-hmm. On May 28th, 1980, about 9 p.m., Dorothy was at, a, was at work having a staff meeting along with her co-worker, uh, Conrad Bostron. And on this particular day, Conrad didn't really look too well. And when she looked at him, she noticed a, a huge red bite mark on his arm. What? Mm-hmm. Dorothy, along with another co-worker, whose name is Ham head left the meeting and rushed him to the hospital. Why are you laughing? She... <laughs> oh God! <laughs> You're... It's because the way he said it. You should have seen him. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, they left the meeting and immediately rushed him to the hospital. Actually, they rushed him to the ER because apparently he wasn't feeling good and he wasn't looking good. So when she dropped him off at the hospital, meaning Dorothy, she briefly left to go back to her parents' house just to let Sean know that she's at the hospital. She'll come back home to pick him up and also to let the parents know that, you know, can you watch him for a little bit longer? I'm having a situation. She told him what was going on. She'll be a little late, but, you know, she'll pick him up after everything's done. Everything's done. They, they were cool with it, so she goes back to the hospital to check on uh, her co-worker, Conrad. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> she uh, gets back to the ER and is in waiting room with Pam, and then they find out that that bite mark was from a black widow. Oh. Yeah, so it was serious. Um, but uh, after everything was done uh, checked up by the doctor they uh discharged him around 11 p.m they gave him some meds prescribed some medicine for him and they went about their business now he was still messed up so dorothy didn't want conrad to walk a walk to the car where she parked apparently she parked pretty far from uh in the parking lot so she didn't want him to walk because he was in it what she said he was in no condition so she volunteers to go to the car. Remember, it's 11 o'clock at night. She volunteers to go to the car and get it herself. That way she can drive up to the front of the desk and pick him up. Okay, they're cool with it. Pam stays with Conrad to help him fill out the prescription and get everything ready so that way uh, when she pulls up, they be ready to go. <coughs> Excuse me. Briefly, she went to the bathroom before she exited, and as she's walking towards the parking lot, something happens. He appears. We don't know. Pam and Conrad gets to the exit door, and they notice that she's not there. They figured this shouldn't have took her no more than, what, two minutes to get to the car and bring it up to the front. So they start to worry. 
and shortly after a few minutes pass they step outside into the parking lot and guess what they see what they see i'm asking what do you think they saw uh, i don't know maybe a dead body okay she's bludgeoned on the floor uh no 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 they didn't what they saw was her car coming at them full speed oh crap towards them with the headlights blinding them so that they could not see who was behind the wheel so it's coming at them full speed headlights in their eye they're waving their arms hey 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 stop stop runs right through them whoa ran them over no, didn't run them over, but just okay. drive right through. Right, I'm sorry, I said through. Okay, I'm sorry, right through them. I did say through. Them. I'm sorry. <laughs> drive right past them. Sorry, twisted, uh, slip of the tongue. They drive right past them. Mm-hmm. Initially, they both thought maybe it was a family emergency. She had to hurry up and go get her son, so they didn't think anything of it. However, a few hours later, after not hearing from her, after not getting any. Um, any word from her whereabouts they start to worry and they call the police and they report her missing the very next day at 4 30 a.m scott's car dorothy's car is found okay it was found burning in an alley about 10 miles from the hospital Ooh. However, neither her body nor anybody's body was found in the car. So it was just burning evidence. It was just burning evidence. Okay. No one has heard from Dorothy for several years. She's reported years. missing. No one heard from her. Nothing. And she's gone missing for several years. Oh, yeah, she's gone. She's gone. And on August 6, 1984, it was confirmed. A construction worker discovered a dog and human bones by the side about 30 feet from Santa Ana Canyon Road. The bones were partly charred, and authorities believe they had been there for two years as a bush fire had swept across the site in 1982. So there's assuming that her body was already there, dead, but the bush fire, the bush fire uh, possibly burnt it. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. They found a turquoise ring and a watch where the body was found. And the mother identified uh, that ring as uh, Dorothy. Um, the watch, I'm sorry, uh, the watch had stopped at 12.30 a.m. on May 29th. So she had died... What year? Of the same year. Of 1980. Remember, on uh, May 28th, 1980, she got abducted at 11 p.m. The stopwatch stopped at 12.30 a.m., which is the night before, the next day. So she's on May, put, May 29th. Put there an hour and a half after. Then. Mm-hmm. An hour and a half after... Uh, they last seen her. So they don't know who this person was? 
Nobody knows who this person was. Nobody knows what happened to her. On August 14th, the bombs were identified as Dorothy by dental records. The autopsy could not determine the cause of death because it was so many years and the body was, the bones were charred. There was nothing they can, there was nothing there to prove anything. So they held a brief memorial service on August 22nd. That's not the ending. Huh? What do you think happens next? Well, she's dead. What? Yeah, she's dead. But what do you think happens? What do you think continues to happen? Now the family's getting the calls. Either the mom or the son. What do you think, Todd? Uh, yeah, I think there's some sort of uh, torture on the family. As far as like someone really trying to rub it in. You're both right. About a week after um, uh, Dorothy's disappearance, their parents are getting phone calls. An unidentified man is still calling, and on the message he sends was very chilling. Her mom picks up, and out of nowhere, a man on the other line quickly says, I've got her, and hung up. And this was going on weeks after she was found dead. So wait, okay, hold on. I'm got I got kind of confused right there. So the calls were a week after she went missing, or a week after they found the body. A week after she went missing. I'm sorry. A week after she went missing, the calls were kept coming, saying that she they got her, and was hanging up. So they were probably still holding hope that she was awake. I mean, they was holding alive. <laughs> they was holding hope that she was still alive. Correct. The same man called almost every Wednesday afternoon and said either that he had Dorothy or he had killed her. So he was giving mixed signals. Oh my gosh! That's yeah. The calls were usually brief and usually occurred when Verna was home alone. So apparently he was still watching because he knew when to call and what times to call. Ooh. What a creep. The calls continued to take place until 1984. So it continued from the time she disappeared even until the time they discovered her body. So Four it did continue. Years. So it did continue. Dude, that's too much, man. And they didn't report any of that. They couldn't get who it was based on the recording. I'm glad you brought that up. We'll get to that. On this particular day in 1984, April, the man called during the evening. This time, Jacob, Dorothy's father, picked up and answered the call. He says the same thing. I got her. I killed her. Ooh. The police install, once again, the voice recorder. However, his voice cannot be picked up and traced because he's so brief on the call, they can't trace it. He calls so quick to leave a quick message and hangs up. So they can't trace it. They, until this day, matter of fact, well, I kind of gave it away. Yeah, it hasn't been solved. Yeah. Well, till that time, they could not find him. 
they were unable to trace the call and till this day this case is still unsolved what yeah oh I, I was looking for some closure here man some finality <laughs> I told you it was a different different this is a different case oh. now let me read let me read something real quick they said a possible motivation in Dorsey's murder surfaced on June 12th of 1980. An unidentified man called the front desk at the Orange County Register. Um, a managing editor editor told the police, the man said, I killed her. I killed Dorothy Scott. Mm -hmm. She was my love. I caught her cheating with another man. She denied having someone else. I killed her. That's what he called and said to the editor at, this, uh, at the uh, Orange County Register. When? This was on June 12, 1980. So how long after she was taken or before? This was after she was murdered. So this was June 12th, a month, almost a month later, a couple of weeks later. The editor also said the caller knew Conrad Bostrick had suffered from a spider bite the night of May 28th. He also knew that Scott had been wearing a red scarf. She, he knew that she went home and changed her scarf. I didn't mention it, but, you know, I thought it was irrelevant. But she, she changed her scarf. She was wearing a, um, a black scarf, and then she changed it to a red one after the employee meet. So neither of those details have been published from the police or anything. So it's speculated that the killer might be somebody that she works with, but nobody knows because like i said this is still an unsolved case is there any updates on the case like have they run uh do they have any dna that they can go off of like because i i tried looking for updates i saw a blogger post something um it it had someone's name i didn't mention it because i didn't want to start saying anything and you know accusing that this person did it or this or you know or he did or whatever but let me find it. Dang, I had it. He had mentioned that there was a possibility. I think his last name was Butler. I can't remember right now. I got to pull up that article. But there was a gentleman that he, the, the son, possibly think that it was some guy named Butler. I think his name was James Butler. He suspects that it was him. And there was a backstory towards his, well, why he felt that way. But once again, this was a blogger. I don't know if it's accurate. I don't know if it's uh, if it's true. I didn't mention it, but if you look it up and type in um, his name was Sean Scott, I just typed in Sean Scott and he mentioned that uh, there was a possible uh, a, a suspect, and I think his name was James Butler. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, that's that's far as I got, man. There's still no update till this day uh, on that case. It's a cold case. Mm, we have to keep an eye on that one or you got to keep an eye on that one to see if we can get an update because usually you know when other podcasts do uh the the unsolved ones or stuff like that they like to give updates so you never know i mean with with a cold case like that from the i know they're knocking out a lot of these 70s and 80s cases that might fall mm -hmm. in, might fall into one that they're all they're actually looking at right now yeah um yeah i looked all over dude nothing nothing on the case as far as updates no suspects no nothing Damn. And this is this and this was a pretty popular cold case too. A lot of people are, are are looking into this case. You know, I've seen a lot of. I looked it up on YouTube. A lot of people are talking about it. 
a lot of people are uh, doing podcasts about it. So apparently this case is a, is a, a hot one. But what well, they're talking still, about, there must be some movement. You know, it must be some movement. But I didn't find Mike Butler. I'm sorry, that's the name. That's the possible suspect, Mike Butler. Okay. Well, yeah. this is this is homework for our listeners because if uh, these kind of cases, they they usually if they don't get cracked by genealogy or something, it's usually armchair detectives. So, yeah, and that's who and that's who the. Uh, blogger thinks it was mike uh, butler so like that's why i say i didn't want to put his name out because it's not officially it's just a blogger who believes it was him based on some statements i believe his son her son had made or something like that but i didn't want to put it out there because that was you know another person's blogs so yeah exactly and, and everyone's innocent until proven guilty but it's clear that mike is guilty guilty <laughs> now how do you know <laughs> i'm just a, i'm being an armchair detective here guilty Throw away the key. Oh man, uh, dude! Like, like I said, man, I don't know what happened when she went to the parking lot. There is nothing that describes what happened, and there's no surveillance footage or anything like that that shows what happened. So, what do you guys think occurred? I think she was followed, and then the dude hung out till she the perfect timing which was he was probably behind some bushes or behind another car and he snuck up and tied her up got her in the back seat of the car and threw those brights on and drove right past those people you know just it was almost like the perfect crime for that period of time you know like you said no surveillance cameras uh not too many people out at the at night so yeah at that time there's nobody in the parking lot yeah it's 11 o'clock at night yeah and it's the 1980 yeah so what Todd said. <laughs> yeah, what Todd said. Everything he said, ditto. <laughs> I'm with you, man. I think I think he was just outside waiting, maybe behind a car or maybe behind some bushes. We don't know um, what the hospital looked like. Um, the hospital was UC Irvine Medical Center. It's Jeez. probably changed. It's probably changed by now, but at the time, who knows what it looked like. Mm-hmm. For all we know, he was already in her car. Could be. Yeah, Could exactly. Be. And this is why I say, um, and this is why I say, I, I'm not knocking karate. I'm not knocking anything, you know, as far as, uh, you know, karate or jujitsu or anything like that. I just felt like if she had something else on her person, possibly, I'm not saying it would have changed anything, but possibly it could have prevented a different outcome. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because uh, who knows? She pro- like like Gabby said, he probably, you know, in, in karate you have to be face to face to do some moves, or at least have your arms able to. If they're behind you, be able to strike behind you, or you know, el- use your elbow. Who knows what happened to her? You know, maybe he snuck up behind her, grabbed her by the throat, and put her in a headlock, and threw her in the car, knocked her out unconscious, and drove off regardless you know like bless her efforts but if he was her stalker he knew what she was doing he knew she was taking classes so he knew which way to come at her he also knew that she was at the hospital she knew that uh conrad had got bit by a spider because that's what the call said about two weeks later that hey i know all these things i know she went home i know he got bit by a spider that's why i'm thinking he probably followed her. 
It's definitely someone not not random. It's definitely yeah, someone definitely. in her life, whether it's coworker, former uh, landlord, you know, something like that. Someone that has access to her comings and goings for sure. And by the way, I forgot to mention uh, her husband was investigated, um, but he had an airtight alibi. He was way out in Missouri. There was no way in the world he could have flown two thousand miles, murdered her, and then fly back to Missouri in, in an hour, unless he's Superman. So yeah, he had right. an airtight alibi. Someone, someone wanted her dead. Very close to her. Someone had some very deep animosity. I'm thinking maybe you know somebody you know. It's, it's, it's the 80s, late 70s. It's the hippie era is kind of out the way. Well, not kind of, it's out the way. But maybe somebody tried to get at her. And she, because she's so, you know, introvert, she kind of just passed them on nicely. It's like, hey, you know, passed on his advances. And maybe it pissed him off. It could be too. But I think, though, if that had been the case, then she would have had an idea who was stalking her. She could have given like the police oh, it could be this person it could be that person this is what happened she had no clue it was just a complete stranger calling her she thought she recognized the voice uh, but she didn't know i did forgot to mention that she thought she knew the voice but she you're right she didn't know i don't know all i know is that um it's still a cold case and she's still not finding uh the victims um i'm sorry the suspect is still out there jeez so if he's still out there who knows he might be dead but regardless they haven't found the uh suspect he's got a 42 year uh lead on the uh case yeah so Wow. Yeah. Normally we talk about the suspects, you know, give a backstory and the stuff killers, like that. The yeah. killers, but this time we talked about the victims because um, I just wanted to put it out there because a lot of people are looking into her case and giving their theories and their thoughts and Hopefully still they nothing. Could still solve it. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's a good case. I mean, different, yeah. definitely a different episode. Definitely a different episode. Definitely mm-hmm. a different episode. And I apologize for my tongue twisting this. <laughs> no, you're all good. You're all good. <laughs> but yeah, so that is the case of Dorothy Jane Scott. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed that one. And then I believe we're going to put out another episode uh, this Sunday, correct? Correct. So that's three episodes this week. It looks like we got to do that, man, because we're going we're gonna, to, you know, our fan base is growing. We appreciate you guys. Love and support. Absolutely, I think people have caught up with our uh, with our catalog of episodes. And then your and then your voice changing. Yeah, <laughs> I got to tune up my voice for this Sunday because I got if, if I do mine, man, I got a lot of different voices I got to use. And then Gabby's seriousness with off of their wings. <laughs> oh yeah, she's already got the blade. She's sharpening the blades as she tells the story. <laughs> She's like, yeah, um, this guy right here. Um. <laughs> if I had access to the pedophiles, yeah. And my nonchalant trying to be the peacemaker. Don't yeah. be so disrespectful. <laughs> You're always Mr. Good Cop. There's always got to be a good cop and a bad cop. Yep. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So uh, that is it, ladies and gentlemen. That is our episode for today. 
uh, we hope you enjoyed it. If you want to listen to our old episodes or want to continue to listen to us, or if you binged a lot of our episodes, which a lot of our fans have done, we thank you. Um, just go to our Podbean stream and uh, podcast streams. I'm sorry, and go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and Pandora. Uh, for those listening to us outside of the U.S., go to Podchaser, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Just type in Grinding True Crimes. And there you'll uh, hear live interaction from us. Well, not really live, but we will get back to you whenever we can. And it is us uh, doing it. Not We don't have any uh, writers or sponsors or anything like that. You're here. You're getting messages from either me, Todd, or Gabby. Exactly. So with all that being said, this has been your host, narrator, Maddie Matt, along with Todd Fox. And, yeah, we and we're signing off. Toodles. Peace. Hey, y'all come back now here and then catch some episodes of Oprah, I reckon. <laughs> now, why are you going to disinfect Dr. Phil? <laughs>